It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you, and keep her going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick. JT, thanks for coming back, Raider Nation Radio. On a very busy day today, as a lot of news is coming out of the NFL owners' meetings in Florida, and we anticipated that there would be an overtime rule change. We talked about that a little bit earlier. And I just wanted to get your opinion on this because the Raiders were the king of overtime last year. So the new overtime rule will not affect the regular season. The new overtime rule will affect only the postseason where every team will get, both teams will get a possession, which I'm really good with. I don't know how anybody would really argue that. The problem is it might go two or three years where this rule might not come into play. You know, this, this games, the majority of these games are not going to overtime. They're going to be settled in regulation. So it might be only one game one year, no the next year, none, and then the next year maybe two. So you don't know why this wasn't moved into the regular season. And I've been talking about this on both shows since we saw these two different proposals. My opinion was always that television in the regular season, there's just too many games in the regular season to have this overtime rule because it would bleed into the other games. So the early games bleeding into the late games. And if you got two overtime games with two long possessions, you're going to miss, you know, 10 minutes of the first quarter. You're going to miss the next game, and the NFL doesn't want to do that, nor should they. In the playoffs, these games are isolated games. They really don't go up against other games, so you can extend the game and give another possession, and it won't affect television so much so as the regular season. I mean, come on, regular season, if you got two or three overtime games going off at the same time in the early games affecting the late games. That's just the way the NFL operates. They're not going to delay the start of the second game. They're going to start it and there will be chaos all over television. So the owners earlier today approved the proposal to change its overtime rules only for the postseason. Both teams now will be guaranteed a possession in overtime in the playoffs before the game becomes sudden death. And that could take a long time. So we go back to the Chiefs' thrilling overtime victory over the Bills in the divisional round, 42-36, to and I forgot how high-scoring that game was. If I asked you what the score was in that game, would you have guessed 42-36? I already forgot about it. The Chiefs scored a touchdown on the first possession of overtime to deny Josh Allen from seeing the ball in the extra period. Under the new rules, the Bills would have gotten a possession after the Chiefs either tried a point after or a two-point conversion. Owners considered two proposals earlier today. The Titans' proposal allowed for the team with the first possession in overtime to win only with a successful two-point conversion coming off a touchdown. The Colts and Eagles' proposal guaranteeing a possession is the one that passed. So as they wrote about earlier today, and this was uh, Shereen Williams of Pro Football Talk, It seems that the team that wins the coin toss in overtime may choose to kick rather than receive so it knows exactly what it needs for a tie or what it needs for a win. Now, that's interesting. Can you imagine that? All of a sudden, we get into a playoff game in overtime. Team wins the toss, and they defer, and they want to start on defense. 
I don't see that happening much. I think the momentum of a game, usually the momentum, you want the ball, you want to continue going. But that's a very interesting point here. So Raider fans, this is a big topic for the Raider Nation because the last year the season started with Baltimore in an overtime game, which was electric, and then it ended on eliminating the Chargers from postseason contention. I love bringing up that story. I'm going to be bringing up that story the rest of my career no matter what. And it won't affect the regular season here, just the postseason. I'm excited because this is a big picture topic as the NFL is just so far advanced in Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball came through with all their rule changes due to COVID. Uh, They're not going to have seven-inning doubleheaders anymore. They're going to go to nine innings. But what they're doing is they're going to put a runner on second base in extra innings, which I don't support. I think that's Little League. That's club ball. But they're deciding to do that to speed up the game. Because at the end of a baseball game, an end of a baseball game could be very tedious. Very exciting for those who are invested in the game and are at the game and watch the entire game. But most people in baseball are not doing that anymore. They're not watching the entire game. They have no interest in the entire game. And they just want to watch baseball in little bursts and little bunches and see the highlights on SportsCenter of home runs. Football's different. You are completely into the game. And the later a game gets in the NFL, the more exciting it gets in overtime. So I think that's a big deal. The other big uh, news story today is Andy Dalton signs with the Saints. So Jameis Winston was brought back. Andy Dalton will be the backup. He agreed to a one-year deal with $3 million in guarantees. He can make up to $6 million. I would say this comfortably, that Andy Dalton is a top three backup quarterback. And in this league, you need a backup quarterback. He's been a starter. For most of his career, he played well at times with Chicago, but clearly on the back end of his career, that's the type of backup that you want. Winston is still the favorite to be the start of this season, but remember, he had an ACL injury at the end of last season after seven games, and I thought he was playing well, and he should heal in time. Andy Dalton, everybody, is only 34 years old. Tom Brady is 45. Andy Dalton is 34. Spent his first nine seasons with the Bengals, spent one year with the Cowboys, and one with the Bears. I mean, it seems like this guy's closer to 40, and he's been playing a really long time. So that's the wheelhouse that you want. The Raiders lose their potential star backup quarterback with Marcus Mariota, who goes to Atlanta. I think he deserves to start in Atlanta. Problem with Marcus Mariota is with the Raiders, when he came on the field and the burst and the way he ran with his groin and lower leg injuries, You just don't think that he is going to be sustainable for an entire season. But I think Atlanta is going to get a lot out of him. Indoors, in that dome, a fast track. I think Marcus Mariota has been waiting for an opportunity to start again and play at a really high level. And one last thing I want to get to here as we continue, if you want to call in 702-365-9200 as we're talking about this overtime rule change. There's a lot of confusion with the 49ers. And we're the Raider flagship, but we got a lot of people listening and streaming us in the Bay Area. And Kyle Shanahan's now getting some pushback on Jimmy Garoppolo. He's getting some heat on Jimmy Garoppolo because they don't have a plan in place. And it's clear that they are not confident with what they have with Trey Lance. They're just not confident with him at all. And he's not able to, I don't think he's able to start. I don't think he's going to be able to jump in and start a full season. So they need Jimmy Garoppolo on the back end as an insurance policy, but you'd want to get something in return because other teams want them. 
So Kyle Shanahan said that they're not ready to get with him. He spoke at the league meeting this morning. He admitted that Garoppolo's shoulder surgery has made things, quote, a little bit tougher for the team when it comes to the Garoppolo trade market. And that's a problem at this point in time because they needed something in return. They needed something in return for him because Trey Lance is not ready to play. Shanahan said that he can see a scenario where Garoppolo is on the team's roster, but that doesn't seem very likely given the team is ready to move on to turn the team over to Trey Lance. Quote, that's why we looked into trading Jimmy because we obviously believe that Trey can be a starter and we're ready to do that. But if we can't upgrade our team in another way, we're just not going to get rid of a good quarterback because we have other quarterbacks on the roster. This is confusion now because the Niners went all in, gave up a lot to move up and get Trey Lance, and Trey Lance is not ready. And they have a Super Bowl roster. Remember, the 49ers went into Green Bay and ended Aaron Rodgers' season. Devontae Adams' last game in Green Bay was against the 49ers. And the 49ers' roster is really good, top to bottom, from fullback to receiver to offensive line to what they do with that pass rush. And I thought they played their cards wrong with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. If they didn't draft Trey Lance and they would have went after another quarterback and they didn't go and have Jimmy Garoppolo, they could have had a quarterback, anyone. They could have made a really big run at Aaron Rodgers. They could have made a sincere run at Tom Brady, even though Tampa Bay said they weren't going to Now they're stuck. So for the Niners, I think they have a playoff roster. We all know that to be accurate. But maybe a Super Bowl roster with a quarterback who's not ready to go. The team that's loving this more than anybody is the Rams. The L.A. Rams are sitting back there in Los Angeles saying the Niners are the team that can beat us. They really struggled against the Niners the last couple of years until they just knocked them out in a game that the Niners should have won. And now they get Matthew Stafford on a contract extension and Trey Lance who really hasn't played in this league. Advantage Rams as they try to reload and go back-to-back through the 49ers. The 49ers don't have to worry about Seattle now as they're in a complete rebuild. And Arizona, first team to 10 wins last year, got to figure out what they're going to do with Kyler Murray and calm him down as there's a lot of chatter in Arizona that he hasn't been happy. And a lot of people are talking about making sure he's comfortable as Arizona did not do a lot in free agency at all. And one more quick topic. We'll be talking more and more about this Bill Stadium and the public money that was financed through the state of New York. We have a guest coming on tomorrow, and I'm reaching out to a couple other ones. Mark Davis's comments were picked up in the Buffalo News about the fact that you have to be dedicated to a team in your community. And I think that's very important because Mark Davis was able to move the team to Las Vegas, and Buffalo looked at the Raider deal along the way. They looked at that deal, and that had a lot to do with the narrative in Buffalo on why they needed to go out. This is from the Buffalo newspaper today. A friend of mine sent this to me. A quote, that was a decision that they made, and I give them credit for working so hard and getting it done. Las Vegas Raiders owner Mark Davis told the Buffalo News two years after moving his franchise from Oakland, California, for the second time in its storied history, quote, I give credit to the Bills for being aggressive and coming in and saying, yeah, we understand what the NFL means to our community and we're going to invest in it. The public is going to provide $850 million 
to fund construction pending approval by the New York State and Erie County lawmakers. It looks like it's a done deal here. And the Bills now put this behind them with a new state-of-the-art stadium that will cost less than Allegiant Stadium. It'll be an outdoor venue. It'll be in the same area right off the parking lot where they have their stadium now. And Buffalo will not have to worry about the Bills leaving, the rumors of San Antonio, all the rumors of Toronto. Where would they be? The Buffalo Bills, dating back to the Oakland Raiders, Ralph Wilson and Al Davis, securing stadiums, AFL franchises, now in the AFC, knowing that they're going to have security with a lot of help, not a little help, a lot of help with the Raiders getting a hotel tax, which many people support there. Hasn't hurt you. You haven't seen that tax on your bill. No one's complaining about it. And look what Allegiant Stadium is providing for Southern Nevada and Buffalo finding security for their football team so they won't lose their football team with some public money thrown in. I know this is a controversial topic, and we can agree to disagree. But I think in reality today, the public has to chip in. I know you worry about your roads, your hospitals, your schools, and all of that. In my entire life as a fan and entire 25 years on the radio, I've never seen a football stadium affect the schools, hospitals, and roads in any community. It's fake news. People complain about it. Economics uh, majors jump in and say it's going to be debt service. It's going to be chaos. Las Vegas is a shining example of what a football stadium can do for the stability of the economy, even during a pandemic. Las Vegas is thriving now because they partnered with the Raiders and all these massive events are coming from European soccer to the Super Bowl to massive rock concerts that fill up hotels, fill up restaurants and bars, and help out the economy. Buffalo's a little bit of a different market because it's not a tourist destination, but it'll give the Bills the stability they need so they don't have to look over their shoulder for the next 30, 40 years, and they can remain a vibrant football franchise. 702-365-9200. When we're talking X's and O's or stadiums, we're talking Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. Remy Martin will have a broad vision for the NFL draft up and down the strip with all the Remy Martin promotions coming up with our show as we build up to the NFL draft. Raymond Chester joining us this week. We'll look back at the Raider draft picks from the 70s this week before next week. We advance to the 80s and the 90s after that. JT, as we continue on the flagship of the Raiders, with just a lot of positive Raider news coming through from the Breakers in Palm Beach, Florida. This is Raider Nation Radio. We just we are who we are. I mean, there's no um, it's not much of a process. And when you you know you know you can go out and score 35 and a quarter, 40 and a quarter, um, you know hold a team 18 and a quarter. But then you also know that you can give up 40 and a quarter. Yeah, it's frustrating, obviously. But I mean, we are who we are, and it's not it's not like you know trying to figure out something more than that. The two most powerful people or biggest names in basketball are Coach K. Coach K's in the Final Four trying to go out on top, and LeBron James, who will most likely miss the playoffs, coming up for the Lakers. We'll get to that in a little bit. Olden Polonies, the 15-year former big man, is going to join us here in a little bit. Uh, breaking news out of the owners' meeting, John Harbaugh, head coach of the Ravens, has agreed to a three-year contract extension through 2025. 
you want to talk about a guy who's been in a place for a long time. That's the third longest tenureship currently in the NFL. So John Harbaugh, hell of a coach. Ravens are always in contention. He gets a three-year contract extension. Also the news there about the possibility of Lamar Jackson not signing an extension this year. This is probably the biggest contract pending uh, coming off of Aaron Rodgers and what we just saw with Deshaun Watson. Quote, unless he has a change of heart and calls Eric and says, I'm ready. But it's like Eric can't keep calling him and say, hey, Lamar, you really need to get in here and get this deal done. So Lamar Jackson doesn't seem to be super motivated to get a contract extension right now. He thinks the money's going to play out beautifully for him. And with the cap going up and how great of a player he is, with already an MVP, young in his career, he's going to get paid. Tim's in Anaheim listening to us on the live feed. Hello, Tim. Hey, Brick, what's going on? Hey, Tim. Uh, been, been a listener since uh, Extra Sports Day, so it's uh, Thank you. Here. Appreciate um, it. My honor. Yeah. Um, I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm fired up about next season because something I haven't heard a lot about is just how physical the Raiders were at the end of the year last year. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it in a long time. I mean, they outrushed their last, I think it was four opponents, like yep. quite a bit, and stopped the other team's rush. I mean, when was the last time you could say that? Maybe at the beginning of the year. And um, we got good coming back to the interior of the line. Mm-hmm. You know, he was playing ex- real high level. Um, you know, and this, there's, there's some um, weaknesses in that line. But, you know, he's, you know he's, that's going to address that. Um, and um, I think, you know, when you add them, Adams, to a solid running game, you know, I mean, we're, I think people are underestimating how good the Raiders are going to be next year. Um, and, uh, but I think the biggest enigma to me, question mark mm-hmm. is uh, Parker at right tackle. Yeah. I don't know how much you were watching him specifically, but I mean, he, he, he played decent in some of the games last year and then he would just get manhandled by, you know, in the next game. And it was pretty much the reason we lost. I mean, you can attribute it to pressure. His guy was putting on car. And I just, um, do you think he's the answer? No, I um, never thought. I never thought he was the answer. I think he's a stopgap. I think he's a backup player that you can move into a starting position for multiple games in, in case of injury. The Raiders' offensive line, as you know, always seems to be injured. Hopefully, that isn't the case. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with just bad luck and bad timing on that. I don't want to see that anymore happening. But he, to me, is a depth player. He's a depth player, and and the problem I have, Tim, is. You nailed it. The Raiders' offense played and the running game played great down the stretch. This is not a great offensive rushing team. They average 95 yards a game rushing. Yeah. That's unacceptable. They average 3.9 yards a carry. That's unacceptable. I mean, the majority of the league was better, and the Raiders had a, a Pro Bowl-type player and Alec Ingle, who moved on, very good player, and, you know, Josh Jacobs. The Colts average 5.1 a carry. The Eagles, 4.9. The Bills, 4.8. The Patriots, 4.4. The Seahawks, 5.0. Denver in the division. Denver, 119 yards a game. It is imperative for the Raiders to get this rushing attack going so they can get easy yards on first down and pick up first downs on third down. I think that was the weakness of the team last year. Yeah, do you think they may try Leatherwood again out at right tackle? Um, I mean, to give up on a first-round pick, you know, I know he's played terrible, but, I mean, you can't just keep drafting guys in the first round, you know, to play tackle. you got to hope that somebody <laughs> pans out. Um, yeah, appreciate the call. Let me jump in. First off, I would give Leatherwood a shot to play every position if I'm Josh McDaniels. I'd get him out there again. Remember, 
Leatherwood came from Nick Saban. Nick Saban is Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is Nick Saban. All the crossover between the Patriots and the Alabama college team, it's obvious. You see Saban and Belichick spend a lot of time together. I'm assuming Josh McDaniels has all the information in front of him on Alex Leatherwood, and so does Dave Ziegler. Leatherwood was drafted to be a right tackle. He played at an inferior level last year at that position. They moved him inside. He got a little bit better. I give Leatherwood a little bit more credit than people do because he's durable and he's available and he's ready to play. We couldn't say that about Richie Incognito, a player that we all liked and wanted to see him have an opportunity and he could never be available. So I'm not throwing in the towel on Leatherwood. At a minimum, you put him at right guard, but they overpaid for him by going into the first round to get a right tackle. And you give him an opportunity from what we've heard and people talking about he's in shape this offseason, he's eating great, he's young, he's healthy, he's vibrant, and he's a monster. He's a monster. The problem is he doesn't have great technique with his footwork and a lot of these edge rushers who are faster. I mean, can you imagine if you put Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa up against Alex Leatherwood in an entire game and kept them fresh? I mean, it could get ugly. So you move them inside, but the Raiders need help. They need, I think they need a pure starter on the offensive line, and I'll pretty much guarantee it. I'll sit here today and guarantee you that the Raiders are going to get a veteran who is cut down due to salary after June. Or at some point in the offseason, they're going to sign him and gobble him right up and get him and know that they're going to pencil in a new starter on that offensive line. All right, Olden Polonese played 15 years in the NBA. He also had a great career at Virginia College Basketball as we get ready for the Final Four. And he's one of my Mount Rushmore guests, so I really appreciate him joining us on Raider Nation Radio. And Olden, as we begin, I saw you tweeting, I got to start off with the slap, Will Smith to Chris Rock, and what you thought initially. <laughs> you know what's so funny? I was in my car, right, when it first happened and you know when I'm driving I was driving from San Diego and my phone is on and in the holder and I'm listening to it more than watching it but at the corner of my eye I'm sitting in traffic at the corner of my eye I see it all of a sudden and I'm like wait a minute I know this did not just happen so I pulled over <laughs> I pulled over the side road so I can gather myself. And when I saw it, it just blew me away because I was like, wait a minute, is this an act? You know how they do stuff like that? And then I realized it's not an act. And again, it just, I never expected to see that at any point in time, you know, not from Will Smith. And so it just, it, it really took me by surprise, you know, like it did everybody else. You know, but like Alden, I said, you, what, tweet, go mm-hmm. ahead. No, no. What I was going to ask you, what do you think of the? And we'll hit on your tweet. The penalty phase of this because you can't allow someone at the Academy Awards to slap another man on live television, drop profanity on the broadcast. He still got the award. He deserved it for oh. best actor. He was brilliant, but he was able to stay in the theater. He wasn't removed. They're not pressing charges, but there's got to be a penalty phase. What do you think they're going to do? Kick him out of the academy, not let him go back? I don't know what's going to happen with that. So let me say this, okay? doesn't matter where it happened, you know? And so everybody's trying to make it like, well, it was the Oscars. Like, the Oscars, like, this big, greatest thing in the world. No, it's still in a damn awards show. 
and people need to understand that. <laughs> the incident itself is the issue, not the location. And so that's what we need to, you know, see. And the fact that, you know, now people say, well, they're going to take us to Oscar. I'm like, no, this is not sport. This is not Reggie Bush, you know, at USC and all that stuff. You know, you take his Heisman. No, he's not, you're not going to take his Oscar. Now, can they say, hey, you know, you'll never be invited again? Mm-hmm. You know, they could do that because they've done that in the past. So, you know, there's a lot of things that could happen, but I don't think it will because Will Smith is one of, a, you know, one of the, the best at what he does. And, you know, one of the things I was saying, you know, like when he, you know, hey, he calls himself protecting his wife. I get that. You know, mm-hmm. there should have been a different time and place to do that. And I think that's what we need to really understand. But at the same time, Will Smith is not a guy that's always in trouble. You know, like if it was sure. you know, one of these rappers or whatever, they would be like, oh, there he go again. But Will has never been, had any issues. And so we need to, like, really look at that. I, I honestly believe he had a moment. He had a breaking point moment, you know, or he just lost it for that moment. So I think the grace that I'm trying to give him is because he's never been, you know, one of these knucklehead guys or somebody that's always in trouble. He's always been very positive and, you know, mm-hmm. just trying to do all the right stuff for others. And so to me, oh, that's what's going to save him. Olden Balinese. Olden, I saw this, and you and I talk a lot about racial issues over the years, and you know, I saw people on the Today Show saying this was an African-American, a black-produced broadcast. They had a black team behind the scenes doing it for the first time. And these were two men, African-American men, and there was a violent act there. And it's on in front of billions of people worldwide. Did you sense that at all? Because I don't care who it was in this issue. It could have been a woman. It could have been a white actor, whatever. But there were people talking about the look. It was just a bad look around the globe with two African-Americans, not stars, superstars. Oh, definitely. Um, That's part of the problem is the fact that, yes, it happened on the grandest scale, you know, as far as the Oscars and all the people that they – you know, that view the Oscars. And yes, it happened to have two black actors, two black famous guys. And I get that. But again, we have to always remember, human beings are human beings. Okay? Yes, Will Smith's a great actor, but he's still a person. He put his pants on just like we all do. So we, we exalt him and we exalt Chris Rock and we exalt the Oscars. But at the end of the day, these were human beings caught up in an emotional moment as far as Will Smith, you know, his wife with the alopecia and, you know, some of the jokes that Chris Rock had made in the past when he hosted the Oscars. I'm sure a lot of that stuff came into play in Will's mind in that moment. And that's why I said it wasn't premeditated. You know, it was a reactionary, as bad as it was, it was still a reactionary moment. And I think we need to understand that and try to look at it in the Because everybody's going to try and vilify, you know, Will and everything else. And then there's some, some people are like, well, he was protecting his wife. And that's what I had said. I tweeted, hey, he's, he's like, hey, I, I need to protect my wife. The way he went about it, you know, was not the right way. 
But at the same time, we have to see it for what it was. It was a, a real human experience. Olden Bolognese, you nailed it. One more. One last one on this, because you played in sports and you've been in some really unique situations in the middle of athletic events with big guys and everybody's calm and then quickly it escalates. Do you think because when he laughed at the joke initially, then looked at his wife and she looked at him and rolled her eyes, did he just snap? Because initially his initial reaction was he was smiling and laughing at the joke and then he had time and he had the first seat in the house. He was right on top of the stage. It wasn't a long walk. He decided, Olden, in that walk to not throw a punch but to throw an open hand. There was a lot going down in probably Olden no longer than 8 to 10 seconds. Did he just lose it and snap? I definitely believe he lost it and snap, but I'll say this, JT. It's the fact that so many other things had been going on within his Mm -hmm. life, within his marriage, you know, with Jada confirming her infidelity, you know, and, the you know, like Jada always talking about Tupac Shakur. I believe that in that moment, in Will's mind, it's like, I'm not going to be emasculated. I'm not going to be a punk. I'm going to step up for my wife, no matter what it is, where I am in that moment. I believe that's what he was doing because he laughed because it was a funny joke. I didn't know she had alopecia. So I thought it was a funny G.I. Jane joke. Great. You know, but at the same time, when he looked over at her, it was like, Ooh, you better do something. I'm not laughing. This is not funny. And so that's when the break happened. Olden Polonese joins us. Does it look to you that let the Lakers really don't want to be in this play-in tournament, this juice box tournament? For you who played at the highest level, you look at this and go, we're having like a bracket, a loser's bracket to see who can get the eight seed and get in, and the nine seed and play the eight. It looks like the Lakers are so checked out mentally that if they enter that play-in tournament, it could give them further embarrassment. How do you see the season ending, Olden, for the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, I honestly believe the Lakers aren't even going to make the play-in. Um, you know, with the remaining games, I think they um, they favored in only one. And I think mm-hmm. that's against the Thunder. And the Thunder, I, I believe, have beaten the Lakers already this year. So whether you bring Anthony Davis in or not, it's not going to happen because he's he's been away so long that he's going to come back in, and I guarantee it. I'll say it right now. He's going to get hit, and he's going to go down again because that's how it is with him. <laughs> and so he just he's never learned how to play through pain, so it's never going to be that, that you know, he's going to be there anymore. So they need to resign themselves to and, and realize that's how it's always going to be for us. So, but the Lakers, you know, they just got ready for the draft. And that's my personal opinion. I wish, I wish them well. I wish they would make the playoffs because the playoffs are way better when the Lakers are involved. I just don't see it in the, in the cards for them this year. Wrapping it up with Olden Polonies, I've been dying to ask you this because you had a great college career at the University of Virginia, 95 games. You played a lot of minutes, scored at a high rate, high field goal percentage. You came after Bird and Magic. 
and but you saw 79. I've never interviewed you and asked you about that. The coming of Magic and Bird plus Ralph Sampson and the entire career of Dean Smith, Coach K. What is going through your mind now with Coach K on this run, knowing that region of the country, how rabid Duke is for basketball, and they got North Carolina in front of them who beat him at Cameron Indoor a couple weeks ago? Well, I'll tell you this, man. It's so fitting for Coach K to be in the Final Four. I I don't think I would have expected anything less. And so, you know, you have three of the Blue Bloods, and Villanova is pretty much – they've become a Blue Blood because they're Mm -hmm. always somewhere in – in the tournament doing something. You know, they the last championship they won was in um, 2018. Jay Wright is one of the best coaches in basketball. But to have Kansas, Carolina, and Duke, that's going to be incredible. But I do believe Carolina has the upper hand, and I, I think they're going to beat Duke. They're going to send Coach K out with that L. But it's going to be a fun game, fun matchup. The kid, uh, Caleb Love, I believe, is a star in the making. You know, we're going to be watching him in the NBA for many years. And so, but I just don't think Duke's going to have enough for Carolina. Uh, finally, share something with me about that Magic Bird 79 and the impact it had on you with your background coming to this country playing at a high level, being expected with your size and strength to be a great player. And what were your first memories of college basketball before you had your long NBA career? Well, it's funny because that was the first game I ever saw. I'm like, oh, my God, there's a guy that's 6'9", playing point guard, whatever that is at the time. I didn't know the terminology. (laughs) I just remember them saying it about him. He's 6'8", 6'9", he's this tall guy, he's playing a position that is normally played by shorter people. <laughs> so, And then there was this other guy from French Lick, Indiana, who's supposed to be the best player. And just to see that matchup was just incredible, you know, with uh, Michigan State going on to win. So it, it, it sparked that flame in me to start playing basketball because I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then, you know, Four years later, you know, I'm at the University of Virginia and I'm in the Final Four, the same thing I had just watched four years previously. And so to me, it's just I owe a lot of that stuff to that game, to Magic and Bird, because if I hadn't watched that game, I don't believe I would have played basketball. Wow, that is a strong commentary for you at the end. That's that's why I asked it. It really had a big impact on you, ending up having a great college career and playing in the NBA. Olden, enjoy the week. We'll be talking to you a bunch with the NBA playoffs. Really count on talking to you to get all your insight on and off the court. Appreciate you, buddy. Awesome. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Look forward to it again. Olden Polonies, fantastic conversation. Well thought out, his opinions on Chris Rock and Will Smith all the way to the Lakers and what's going to happen with this Laker game coming up tonight. The Lakers building, trying to build the super team to win a championship with a bunch of aging players. I don't think it was the worst idea in the world. They had LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They had the one and two. LeBron had a great year this year, and you can't predict Anthony Davis is going to get hurt. Anthony Davis is the best center in basketball when healthy or top two. And then they tried to fill in around that with veterans, and it didn't work. So I think what we're going to find out because of the Lakers' failures this year with Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, I don't think we'll ever see ten. I don't think there'll be other GMs that try to put a super basketball team together with aging players. 
We're doing it in the NFL with Tom Brady, but Tom Brady seems to be aging in reverse. He is very rare. In basketball, with the minutes and the ability for your lower body to break down, it's almost impossible to try to keep a team to run that many games to stay healthy. So I think one of the things that the Lakers have done is they've changed basketball going forward, where you're not going to see aging players. You know, in hockey, it's a little bit different. When you look at the Golden Knights, and the Golden Knights are trying to figure out their roster. You can have some older players, because in hockey, you can sub them out. You have a line change. I was at the game on Saturday, and we were sitting behind the Golden Knights bench, and I was explaining to my wife, because she's getting into hockey, she loves it, about the line changes. So the defensive guys were sitting on the left of the bench, the offensive guys on the right, and they were coming and jumping in on all these line changes. And some players play more minutes than others. When you get to the NBA playoffs, everybody plays the whole game. I mean, if you got a good bench, you use it. But if you have a big three or a superstar group, you leave those guys in the games in the playoffs for 35, 37 minutes. And the Lakers were built to fail, and not a lot of people saw it. The few people that thought this would fail initially deserve a lot of credit because it's failed miserably. And it's going to really hurt sports radio here in the next couple of weeks because there's a lot of people that talk a ton of Lakers locally and nationally on their show, and especially these fake debate TV shows, which seem to be all Lakers. What's going to happen after the first week when everybody piles on the Lakers and reminds them they didn't make the playoffs, and then they're going to go away. And LeBron's going to go on private yachts off the Amalfi Coast, and he's going to chill out, and he's going to make another movie, and he's going to buy another mansion, and he's not going to be in the news. And everybody else is going to have to look at the Utah Jazz for entertainment. I'd much rather have the Lakers playing in the second round of the playoffs than having to talk about the Utah Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies. But that's what I get paid to do. 702-365-9200. One more segment to jump in. We have more sound from Dave Ziegler from the owners' meetings from mostly yesterday. If you got a comment on the GM for the job that he's done, let us know. We'd like to hear from you. Also, we'll hear from Sam and Ash later in the week, our personal injury attorneys. Go to SamAndAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. 702-820-1234. They will help you if you get an injury in an accident. Sam and Ash. Once we once we added Chandler, I forget exactly. I don't even know how they were reported specifically. Chandler, then you need. Okay, Chandler. Once we added Chandler, obviously, you know, then there's you. You only have so many snaps, right? Right. Chandler, Yannick, Crosby, and so it just made that opportunity a little bit more reasonable to 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 make that move. You know, once we had Chandler. That is Dave Ziegler. We've been spending a lot of time playing his sound. Thanks to Heidi Fang, Vinny Bonsignor, everybody who's down at the owners' meetings who are grabbing all the sound. Damon is cutting it up. Bobby's getting it on the air. Great teamwork here on the flagship of the Raiders as we're brought to you by AnyTiresPlus.com. Complimentary road hazard protection for 24 months with the purchase of any new complete set of tires. Any Tires Plus located at 350 North Boulder Highway. So a couple of more sound bites from Dave Ziegler and what he has to say. We should be talking to him, I think, next week. We were supposed to do it last week, but we missed each other. And I hope to be in studio at the Raiders sometime next week when they get back. 
so we can talk. Plus, these guys are getting their families settled, schools. A lot of work going on between the Josh McDaniels-Dave Ziegler camp to get settled here in Vegas, and we wish, wish them nothing but success in doing that. Uh, more from Dave Ziegler on the contract situation upcoming here with Derek Carr. And again, the discounted salary, none of my business. What type of market deal could Carr take similar to what Tom Brady has done over the years? I would say, like, I wasn't involved in, in all the – I wasn't involved in that at all during my time in New England. So I don't really know, like, what the dynamics of that were and what those conversations were. So it kind of – it would be irresponsible for me to um, – you know, act like I did, but I think every every individual, every player has their you know has their own process that they want to go through, and I think to expect someone to do something just because someone else did it, um, if you did that for everybody, you'd be in a you know you'd be in a hard you'd be in a hard spot of trying to get deals done, and and I think everybody like again, it's it's to me every negotiation is very individualistic, and it's um, it's very unique to person and to the timing and to the position and whatever it may be so no I don't think we look at it like that I think it's just you know it's it's just a every individual every negotiation is its own its own kind of its own being it could be very complex with the language it could be very easy I think we all know what Derek Carr deserves you could look at the quarterbacks that are better than him and the quarterbacks he's about even with or behind him and find the number that's most comfortable. The question becomes, how does he get the money? Guaranteed signing bonus, heavy up front, like the last one, where he's playing out the back end on a cheaper rate. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do this, but it's going to be the first big quarterback contract that Dave Ziegler's ever done as a GM. So that's very important when you're a GM, your quarterback contracts and how you're able to put them together. Uh, One more, Uh, Dave Ziegler talked about his patience now because Raider fans didn't have patience with him. At the beginning of free agency, until he got going, here's what he said. Yeah, I mean, you want to get deals done, and you want to add players. So, um, you know, like, I would be lying if I said, yeah, you don't get anxious of, of want, wanting to do that. But um, at the same time, again, trained a certain way, seen it done for a long time a certain way. I've seen the benefits of being patient. And so, yeah, there's a human nature of, like, I want, you know, wanting to get something done, but I think at the same time, you rely on, on you, you know, like in those times you rely on how you've been trained and what you believe in and, you know, you kind of settle down and you get into your zone. How he's been trained. Who is he trained by? Bill Belichick. He comes from the Belichick tree. That's how he's trained not only as a football mind, but as a football guy dealing with the cap. Imagine what Belichick's been doing. He hasn't been perfect. Belichick has not been perfect at all with roster construction. What Belichick is more than perfect at, greatest of all time, is getting more out of his players. Something that Josh McDaniels has been talking about a lot over the last couple of days in Florida. And finally, last one, uh, Dave Ziegler was asked about having no top draft picks in the first two rounds coming up, heading into a draft that is based in Las Vegas. Yeah, on the, on the surface right now, I think our first pick's in the third round. And again, we'll see like that's where we end up or, you know, or, or, or we don't. But um, actually, I've had some experiences when I was in New England where we didn't have a first-round pick. I think there, there was a couple years there um, where we didn't. There might have even been one year... Uh, it might be there might even have been one year where we didn't have a first or a second I can't remember but um uh, so so I've experienced it so the fact that I've experienced it won't make it as strange as maybe as I as if I had never experienced it and so um yeah we'll just kind of let it you know if that's where we end up and we're not picking to the third round then there's all there's um, a little bit more time to continue to prepare 
um, continue to kind of get organized. You'll see where things fall. You'll have a very clear picture of what's available and what's not. And, um, you know, I think, you know, we'll have a, a plan to execute at that point if that's the way it goes. All right, the breaking news today is pretty big with one of the most recognizable athletes in the world. Tiger Woods is at Augusta National for a practice round. Speculation of Tiger playing in the upcoming Masters a week from this weekend as the five-time champ is reportedly at Augusta National for a practice round today. His trip to Augusta was likely to gauge how his body would react to walking the hilly course. According to Sports Illustrated, he arrived at the course with his son, Charlie, and they later were joined by Justin Thomas in his practice round group. Wow. How cool is this? So for Tiger coming off the car accident to try to play the Masters, uh, he knows the course better than anybody, anybody on God's green earth other than maybe Gary Player and Jack Nicklaus. And Tiger's had most, success, most of his success there other than Jack. So Tiger knows the course. He's long enough, even coming off the injury where he doesn't have to hit it past everybody. He knows where the ball, uh, ball rolls, where it takes off, knows where to come in below the hole, knows everything about Augusta. He is a genius at that golf course. So he can play through it. The problem becomes at Augusta, which I've been to once, is you, in, unless you've been there, you, you won't believe what it's like to walk that course. The undulations, the greens, and there's no golf cart, even though he's had an injury, and he would have to walk that over four days plus the practice rounds and all of that, and his leg might not be up to it. If it is up to it, and he's able to play and compete in it, and I don't think he could win, but if he did, it would probably be the greatest sport achievement of all time. He'd go to number one. That's how big it would be. So I'm not expecting him to win, but if he plays, that really adds to what could happen at the Masters in less than two weeks on top of Coach K competing to go out on top and to win a national championship. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in a glorious time in sports. Raider fans, the Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones news, 10 wins. Tiger Woods trying to come back from injury. Tom Brady playing well into his mid-40s at a high level. LeBron James leading the NBA in scoring at his age. There's a lot going on and a lot of good times. It's a good time to be a sports fan in the toy department of radio. Sports talk. Just a lot of fun. Good, good topics here. Uh, the rest of the week, we'll find out more reaction from the owners' meetings as they're wrapping up. And tomorrow, we should have a Vegas Golden Knight on. They told me over there. I'm excited about that. And then I'm going to go heavy on the Final Four because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, once-in-a-lifetime, to talk about Coach K in the final few days that he'll ever coach the remainder of his life. And I'm going to embrace that topic. Vegas is a big gambling town. College basketball rules. It's big. We'll have a couple of picks from a gaming perspective coming up here to see if we can help you make any money if you're betting the Final Four going forward. Uh, Vinny Monsignor coming up at 4. Q is on deck right now. Again, a lot of sound coming out of Florida at the Breakers. Thanks to everybody who grabbed it for us. Makes a big difference here. Having a flagship station that works together. All of our partners, we appreciate what they do for us, including Resorts World, home of Doghouse Saloon. If you're going to a concert, a show, dinner, a lounge, the 8 Cigar Lounge, head by Doghouse. Place a bet there. Check out some of the entertainment. And tomorrow, we pick it up with the Raider draft. We stay in the 1970s. We had Monty Johnson. Tomorrow, we have one of my favorite players, Raymond Chester. His story is remarkable. Thanks for listening, everybody, to the flagship of the Las Vegas Raiders, Raider Nation Radio.